Hello everyone! Welcome to another episode of the Real Life Oscar Challenge. As always, I'm your host, Mike Levito, and joining me is my roommate Lars Emerson. That's me! And my sister Kathleen Levito. Hi! I realize sometimes I have you introduce yourselves and sometimes I introduce you. It's cool. Do you I have a preference? I don't like pronouncing my name, actually. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah me neither. Huh. I, I pronounce like a... it wrong. Loris Ferguson. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot of consonants in the middle. That's why when I go to, like... But there's not. Kath, like, I feel like TH is hard. Let's not forget that I went to speech therapy when I was you a did. kid. You did. Um, Kath. Kath. I, it's like a big... Oh, there's three. You do. But then you have... Kathleen. You have, yeah. But that, th- that's vowel. Like, you have some nice long vowels. It's true. My, my, my thing is my first name ends in an L. My last name begins with an L. So it's like, well, Michael, anyway, um, but we're here for an exciting episode, a brand new chapter in the podcast, the start of season three. Oh, there's seasons now. Yeah. Basically, unofficially, sort of, um, part one, the year was 2009. It was the year Sully Sullenberger miraculously landed a plane on the Hudson and no one died. It was the year... Except for some fish. Yes, probably. (laughs) It was the year Bernie Madoff was sentenced to 150 years in prison. It was the year swine flu was a pandemic. More importantly, it was the year I turned 15, Lars turned 14, and Kathleen turned 13, and 10, not 5, 10 movies were nominated for Best Picture... The first time since the 40s. 10, Michael. 10. But why? Well, basically the reason why is that in 2008, movies like The Dark Knight and Gran Torino, which were very popular and people thought were very good and Oscar-worthy, were not nominated in the like in favor of movies like The Reader, um, which were not very good. Um, Disagree, but okay. <laughs> well, anyway, I'm telling the story. So... Um, the Academy decided that they would change the way they voted on Best Picture and would nominate 10 nominees, which is the thing they had done going back to the 30s, actually. There was a period of time, a few years in the 30s, where they actually nominated 12 nominees. Um, oh, Michael, how you do go on. <laughs> um, long story short, they nominated 10 nominees. They changed the voting, so instead of voting, um, just picking your favorite, you we there was ranked choice voting. Um, and I won't describe how ranked choice voting works because it's be a waste of time, but basically... You know, you just listed them from 1 to 10. That's how all that worked. So uh, since there are 10, we will be splitting uh, all the episodes hereafter into four parts because doing 10 movies an episode would be suicide. And we would two parts? Two parts, what I say. Ten four. Four parts. I meant two parts. Michael's not good at math. I'm very bad at math. <laughs> um, so yes, uh, the movies nominated in 2009 were... Avatar, The Blind Side, and Education, District 9, uh, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, Precious Space on the Novel, Pushed by Sapphire, A Serious Man, Up and Up in the Air. We will be discussing those first five, Avatar, The Blind Side, Education, District 9, and The Hurt Locker in today's episode. So let's get right to it with Avatar. Directed by James Cameron. Written by James Cameron. Starring Sam Worthington, Zoe Saldana, Stephen Lang, Michelle Rodriguez, and Sigourney Weaver. Avatar is a story 
of like 200 years in the future. Um, actually, a character named Jake Sully um, is a disabled U.S. military veteran um, who gets a second lease on life when he gets the chance to travel to the planet of Pandora. Uh, it's a moon. The moon Pandora. Um, work for a military contractor where he, he, he's paralyzed from the waist down and he gets to um, connect into this thing called an avatar where he basically becomes one of the Navi who are the natives of the planets um, and he gets to go out into the sort of Pandoran wilderness and experience it as a Navi. There he meets um, Natiri? Is that Zoe Saldana's character's name? Sure. Yes, Natiri um, falls in love with her and realizes the company he's working for is up to no good and kind of tries to stage a rebellion of the Navi against um, these folks. Uh Kathleen, this was your first time seeing what at one point was the highest grossing movie of all time. What did you think? <laughs> I didn't like it. Yeah. Flat out. Not a huge mm-hmm. fan. Um, I, it was pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Pretty story- bad. <laughs> Storyline was weak. Dialogue was atrocious. Um, conflict was stupid. Um, the parallels they tried to draw between real life and Navi life or Pandoran life uh, were ill-planned and ill-executed um, and not fully explored. And that's my opinion on that. Yeah, Lars? Okay. <laughs> this movie, so here's the thing about this movie, is that it sucks! <laughs> um, there's like a lot... Um, there's a lot. Okay. Okay. First of all, it's incredibly black and white. In a terrible way. It's very colorful, actually. No, okay. It's, like, incredibly moralistically black and white. Yeah. Um, whenever I watch this movie, I think of two other movies. Pocahontas, because it's the exact same fucking plot. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Princess Mononoke, because, which is a Studio Ghibli film about sort of a similar, like, the conflict between industry and nature, da-da-da-da-da, except the problem is, like, believe it or not, but this anime actually (laughs) does it in a more nuanced and, like, appropriate way, where it's like, there is a genuine argument for industry. There is a genuine argument for conservation. The two can function together. That is kind of how things should be. Um, Avatar could have made that, and they didn't. Instead, they make industry, like, it's, like, either a joke, where, like, the businessman is like, this is the ungetabolium. It's not actually called that, but it should be. It's, like Una- un- it's unobtainium. unobtainium. Which is <laughs> almost, which is almost as stupid. Yeah. It's very stupid. It's very <laughs> stupid. It's I would just say just as stupid. So honestly. black and white. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, just as stupid. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> can't find him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can't find it's, like, um, it's like, it's worth so much, so you know what? We're gonna burn the They natives. never, they never, do they ever say what it's for? I don't. They, actually they just say how much it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they don't really say what it's worth. I assume worth. it's like an energy source, but I don't actually know. I don't know. Um, there's like very little attempt to actually nuance it. It's like cool. So we want it. We're gonna shoot all the natives until we get it. Maybe we'll try diplomacy, but like we'll give it a couple days and then we'll shoot them. <laughs> um, very black and white. I think that is to its disservice. That's bad. Okay, that's that's mm-hmm. one reason I don't like it. Second reason I don't like it. The dialogue is so, so, so it's bad. It's terrible. It's so bad. Um, my, like, I feel like the beginning has really bad dialogue, and they're all like, Oh, welcome to Pandora. My job is to keep you safe. 
I will not succeed. And, like, Sigourney Weaver's like, I need coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> and, like, she's probably the best actress in this, so I, like... Yeah. She should have... Like, it's clearly not her fault. Yeah. It's clearly the writing's fault. But I think the, like, what takes it the most... And I made this joke, and it's a little inappropriate. <laughs> so there's a scene <laughs> in which Sam... Jake. Jake. Sorry. Played by Sam. Sam played by Jake. Sam. Sam, Jake. Jake and Natiri do their little canoodling move in the forest of love and trees and spirits. And of like their ancestors. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, probably attach their like hair genitals or whatever. <laughs> um, and, and she we, like whispers. We this I know. I don't want to go into it. She like whispers into his ears. He like wakes up and he's like, we are mated for life. It's like, oh my God. Can you imagine like whispering that to anyone at any level, any time in your life? You'd freak out. <laughs> okay. Dialogue, black and white. Um, visually, it's kind of an achievement. I think that's kind of it. It's, I don't know. The thing is, is like, I, I'm the one, like, visually, it's like, I think, I just, we've, there's been so many movies since Avatar yeah. that yeah. have had so much CGI that honestly, it wasn't that spectacular to me. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. bad. It looked yeah. fine, but, like, there was nothing, like, and I even thought this when I saw it in the theater. I was like, there's nothing about this that's really, like, blowing me away. Yeah. It yeah. came out the same year as Star Trek 09, and I actually think Star Trek 09 looks better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's my whole thing, is that, like, I think the, like, I, like obviously, like, James Cameron, like, I don't like James Cameron. I think he's very full of himself. I think he's a terrible writer. He's directed some good movies, like Terminator 2 and Aliens. Um, but, like, between this and Titanic, like, he needs to hire, like, someone to punch up his dialogue, like, really badly. But, like, um, I'll give him credit. Where, like, he, like, invented new cameras to, like, make this movie. He, like, was very innovative in the field of motion capture. Like, he did a lot to really try and make this movie come to life thing is, I think the production design is so boring. I actually, like, it's so uninteresting to me. Like, the thing is, like, I, like, I, it, I don't know what it is, but it just looks like a bad, like, prog rock album cover, like, and it'll never be more interesting to me. Like, there's, like, the Avatar land now, you can go to Pandora, like, Disney World now, mm -hmm. but, like, I can't ever imagine being at Disney World, I mean, like, you know what, instead of going to Galaxy's Edge, like, Star Wars thing, I'm gonna go to Avatar instead. Like, there's nothing about this that, like, makes more interesting to me than, than, like, Star Wars or, like, Star Trek or, like, Mad Max or Lord of the Rings. In the realm of, like, sci-fi and fantasy, it's so boring to me. Like, yeah, there's nothing particularly intriguing. I, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel, it almost doesn't feel, it's almost too, it doesn't feel real enough. And they like, use papyrus. <laughs> yeah, they use papyrus <laughs> in the font. Um, great SNL sketch for listeners who haven't seen it. Google Avatar Papyrus Ryan Gosling. Um... And, and so much of this movie, though, I feel is built around Jake marveling at the wonder of Pandora, which is basically just James Cameron being like, isn't my imagination so great? Like, there's that commercial now for, like, the tablet where the artist is like, the, the, what my imagination looks like, I mean, wow. Yeah. Which is, like, the most self-congratulatory thing you can say, or at least one of them. Like, that's, this is James Cameron just doing that for, like, the first half of the movie, at least. Um... Yeah. There are so many, like, moments in which you could make this a compelling narrative. Like I said, you could make it about industry versus nature. 
But, like, you could make it about, like, a guy who's disabled and finds new life. And, like, they don't lean into that at all. Yeah. It's, like, kind of just like, oh, cool, I can move my legs. This is way more fun. Yeah. It's like, yeah, probably. <laughs> Would you like to unpack that a little more? Not really. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, there's not, it just needs, like, any level of depth. Any level of depth. Also, this is, like, it reminded me of thinking of that. Because it made me think of the scene where, like, he first gets avatarized. And he's, like, super excited, and he, like, he runs out of, like, the... It's very irresponsible. He, like, runs out of, like, the lab. staging area or lab or whatever. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, a bunch of other avatars doing their thing. We don't see them the rest of the movie. We only see him, Sigourney Weaver, and the other guy. Yeah. Like, what happened to the other avatars? Lars <laughs> <laughs> <Dead. laughs> made a throat-slashing motion. I, I guess they did, I but, like, they ne- I, that's the thing they never explain. But, yeah, kind of, like, to your point, like, it's not really about... It's, like, in the broadest strokes, it's about, like, environmentalism and conservation and things, like, and kind of the Iraq War. Um, this is this was a big year for, like, military contractors and film. But, like, it's also the most boring thing where it's just, like, we're tricking these people so we can get, get the stuff they live on top of. And it's just, like, no... There's no, I'm like, I'm not saying that's not what happened in the Iraq War necessarily, but there's like no nuance. Like, there's literally a scene where Jake Sully goes, "This is what you do. You find shit you want, and like, you, you drive people on top of it away from it." And it's like, well, you could have just said that instead of making me watch this entire movie. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, if you want to make it about a real world issue, you owe it some context and some depth. Mm-hmm. Like, there were hard choices. Obviously, the Iraq War was a bad idea. Yeah. But like, there were like genuine like concerns and like there's nuance there that makes it a good story like the story of the iraq war is like a compelling story Mm -hmm. this is not yeah at all Mm -hmm. and also turns it into sort of like uh i don't fall too much into like an iraq war hole because we'll have at least two other movies where we can talk about it but like it it also turns it into like a very yeah like you said black and white like it turns into a very much like you know it, it, it removes a lot of, like, the context and, and things like that. And it's, yeah. I don't know. It makes... Sorry. Oh, no, you go, Lars. You seem really... It makes me... This, like, movie makes me so angry. I have so much to say. Um, it's very... It's just so... It's very frustrating. And it's so long. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. dude, James Cameron, make shorter fucking movies. <laughs> it is so long. You don't... Like, no one wants to watch this. For this long, it's it's like very uh, masturbatory is the wrong word. It is, but like it's kind of it the right word. Is. It's, it's like James you Cameron. love yourself so yes. much, and we really don't. But it's almost worse, where it's like it's almost like James Cameron wrote himself as Jake Sully, like getting off on how great the thing he created is. Yeah, right. Yeah, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. it all. That's what makes it like worse. Yeah. Um, I have thoughts. Yeah. Can I share my thoughts now? Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna jump... You guys basically covered what I was gonna say about how it's... There's no nuance in the film, so I'm not mm. gonna... I'm not gonna go there. But to double down on what you said about the, like... The world really not being that compelling. Mm. I think, like, we live... Yeah, we live in an age where there's so much CGI that it's, like... We're kind of jaded. And it's like, mm. this isn't impressive. Yeah. And I didn't watch it in 2009, so I don't know if it would have been impressive in 2009. I was also 13, so what have I really noticed? I don't know. Um, and I think that there's, like, not enough narrative built about the culture 
for you to care about it either. There's, yeah, there's actually, like, not enough world building. There's, like, it's, it's very flat. It's, mm-hmm. like, glowy. Mm-hmm. And then there's no world building. You see creatures and stuff, and you know that the Navi, like, really like the creatures, and because they're called tree huggers, which is the lamest insult you can give anyone, yeah. like, 20 times at the film. And so you know that they, like, care about the creatures and stuff, but you don't you don't actually learn about the world. You I forgot that there were other tribes in the Navi until, like, the very end when all the tribes unite to kill the bad guys. That's for the sequels. But, no. <laughs> they're no. making more? No, I'm just kidding. Um... So there was just, like, not, you don't learn about, like, any of that. And so the kind of when you were talking before, the first thing that came to mind, and forgive me for this, but any fan fiction written about this would be really bland Mm -hmm. because there's not enough to play with. Mm -hmm. You know, there are other fantasy worlds like Harry Potter, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, anything that you have so much to draw from that you can, like, create really compelling characters, you can create really compelling stories that are all supported by... The world that they're inspired by but this you really can't you mm-hmm. can write about a blue cat person running around and having blue cat person don't bring cats into this <laughs> also speaking of cats i don't like how the navi look okay it's a little racist <laughs> <laughs> i they just can't don't find that. them like i don't i didn't find it to be like a compelling character design. character design yeah no yeah it felt really lazy honestly yeah it's kind of too human yeah for mm-hmm. where they are yeah. Yeah, I. Yeah. I I don't disagree, but like I, I think part of it is I, t- like the CGI. It's like I almost feel like we're also at a point where it's like we've seen so much CGI that to see, like I think of like Baby Yoda, which has blown up in the past few weeks. Like Baby Yoda's a puppet, and I feel like that that's actually like a one of the reason it's so popular is because it's it feels like something you can touch. Whereas, like, I never get that sense with Pandora that I can reach out and touch something. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, I do with Baby Yoda. I like to, like, you know, I love, like, you know, this is, like, a, like one thing I've always felt like that is, like, Ant-Man's costume and Ant-Man. I feel like I could reach out and touch that. Like, that, mm-hmm. you know, that's what's interesting. Like, I don't want to just, like, I could just watch, play a video game and get, like, you know, most of what Avatar gives me as far as, like, was the visual stuff. Was there an Avatar video game? I think there was. What I did you have, do? Like, just hug trees? No, I think you like ride the banshees and have hair sex. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> if if I have to give it any comp, like I do think the, the like the final battle scenes are pretty cool. They go it goes on too long, but like when they're all like flying on like the banshees, like swooping down onto like the, the like gunships, I thought that was pretty cool. It's just so plastic. It is. It right? like looks like you're. <laughs> this is stupid. It looks like you're watching a TV on a TV. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're watching a show that has a TV in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. I think that's why I don't like the character design because it just is like, it's yeah. like slippery, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Like the most interesting character design is like the, the lizards who just spin out of control to fly. Which, what evolution is that? <laughs> that makes no sense. And I guess like that some of the animals like breathe out of their shoulders is kind of cool. But uh, yeah. But they all have like hair. Things that they connect to each other with. Little hair diddles they can diddle each other with. Yeah. There was an Avatar video game called James Cameron's Avatar, the game. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. It was a prequel. Um, yeah. Anything else on Avatar? No. We're going to... Okay, so Avatar... It should not have been nominated. It was, and it was a favorite for a very long time. It was nominated for a lot of awards and won a couple, too. It won visual effects... Was nominated for sound mixing, nominated for sound editing, 
nominated for original score, nominated for ed- film editing, uh, one cinematography, one art direction, James Cameron's nominated for best direction, nominated for best picture. I will say this. The score is also terrible. The score yeah. is really bad. I don't remember anything it's, about it. It's the worst trends. I said I said my letterbox was the worst trends of the, the 90s and the 2000s, where it has the 90s, like, pan flute going on, and has the 2000s. The thing I actually really don't like is, like, the, like, female solo vocalist that sounds kind of like the Muslim call to prayer. I've, I've never... They, it's overused in, like, Crash and, like, movies like that. I'm not a fan. I think history is on our side. I do not I think agree. this film has... Like, I feel like the conventional opinion now is, that, like, this was kind of a mistake. It's yeah. not actually that good. It hasn't held up. Yeah. Um, I just oh, can't do... So, last yeah. thought, I cannot do movies with bad dialogue. It's, like, honestly, as a writer, it's why I don't write fiction. Because I can't write dialogue. And I know that about myself, so I don't even try. Especially bad earnest dialogue. Um, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's, like, a little different. Because, like, think of, like, Terminator 2. It doesn't actually have great dialogue. Like, John Connor is, like, kind of, like, annoying. And the whole, like, Asa La Vista baby thing is, like, kind of dumb. Oh, classic. Like, he teaches the Terminator 90s slang. Um, but it was the 90s. I know. But that's that makes it kind of charming in hindsight. Yeah. Like. For that reason, like, oh, look, it's a live-action Bart Simpson. But, like, I... There's not like there's nothing charming about the dialogue in Avatar. It's all just very lame and stiff and wooden. And think fast, that's what I keep thinking of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, when, yeah. When I remember, like, throws in the, the, like, fruit or whatever. Yeah. He's like, think fast. It's, like, kind of cringy, honestly. It is. It, makes me, it, it feels, feels like video game dialogue. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, anyway. Uh, moving on to a movie... Uh, that also didn't hold up, in my opinion, but I just kind of gave myself away. Um, the Blind Side, directed by John Lee Hancock, written by John Lee Hancock, based on The Blind Side Evolution of the Game, which is a book by Michael Lewis, starring Sandra Bullock, Tim McGraw, Quentin Aaron, Jay Head, Lily Collins, Ray McKinnon, and Kathy Bates. Lars. Oh, I should explain what this movie's about first. Um, it is about Big Mike, Michael Orr, a homeless, well, functionally homeless teenager in Memphis, Tennessee who is taken in by a white family called the Tuies, um, and he goes to school at a mostly white private Christian school. Um, he becomes the star offensive lineman football player for their football team, and it's all about the family and him growing to love each other and his, his, his uh, you know, unlikely success story being a child from a bad situation in a rough part of town. Lars, this was your first time seeing the movie, um, football movies a little out of your wheelhouse. It was. What, what, what were your thoughts? Um, okay. Was, yeah, first time. Um, like, I kind of knew the, like, historical context. It's, like, a little white savory, da-da-da-da-da. It's supposed to, it's kind of, like, hallmarky, where it's, yeah. like, touching and, like, kind of, like, intentionally, like, t- touching. <laughs> it's, like, kind of intentionally, like, heartstring pulley. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I... I like I liked it. I kind of think it worked. Um, I felt emotions. I felt feelings. I um, there's like actually some good cinematography in it at points. Um, there's one shot that I really like, like when he goes back home or like to his like neighborhood, original neighborhood. Oh, that's not. What I was oh, about. I like that one. <laughs> when he gets in like the fight, I think it's like right before that. Okay. Um, where he's like kind of depressed mm-hmm. and it's like. Shadows. I was thinking of the scene when they're at like football practice and it's like the coaches are making fun of him and you see Sandra Bullock come off the bleachers and start walking towards them. Mm. I thought that was cool. That one's good too. Anyway. Like, there's good stuff here. Um, 
Yeah. Like, am I gonna like? I uh, look. Is it a great? Like, is it the greatest movie? No, I think it's pretty good. Um, I think it's a good movie. Um, like, I was genuinely moved by some parts of it. I thought it was really nice. I really hope Sandra Bullock became a Democrat later in life. <laughs> the um, actress or the character? The character. <laughs> um, I, I felt I felt things. There's not, like, Avatar, I felt nothing. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of movies this year... I, I feel like it's weird. So we're going to come up on a movie that has, like, a lot of feeling. But I feel like a lot of the movies we've watched, it's been hard to find one that, like, gave me a genuine, like, feeling of, mm-hmm. like, sad or happy. Um... This one made me feel happy. This was just nice. It was good to have, like, a nice story. (laughs) Okay. Kathleen? This is a great TV movie. I'm gonna wait till the sirens pass. Do we edit those out? No. Oh. What? I asked if we edit those out. Oh, so we just sit in silence? The siren was there, so we weren't quite silent. Okay. It's not silent now, so. Kitty, kitty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Awkward. Kathleen's cradling the cat right now. So, it's a great TV movie. <laughs> it's a good. It's like a. It's a good movie. It, it says it does things. It tells a story. The dialogue's fine. Um, all the colors, like it's all i do not like the music in this movie it's really all. bad it's, it's like very like right? royalty free library music um but i do not think this is an oscar winner mm. i think that like all the characters were kind of cartoonish mm. um there the drama was never dramatic enough mm. um there was never really like real tension mm. um i couldn't really ever understand like what the characters were feeling mm. um yeah, it's I don't I don't think it deserved a nominee. Nomination. I think the acting's pretty good. I think most of the acting outside of Sandra Bullock is actually pretty bad. Okay. I I, well, I the one kid sucks. Yeah, yeah. So that's my thing. It's like when I first I did see this movie in theaters and it was very touching and it did make me cry. And I did see this movie like a couple times on HBO like afterwards. So I think part of me is just like I've seen parts of this movie like way too much. Mm. Um I, it's just a very, it just, it's just, it's just very, like, shoddy. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it feel it feels just like a step up from, like, a faith-based film. Yes, of. yes, absolutely. It, 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 I feel like almost if it was made today, they would add, like, a more Christian angle to yes, it. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and that's kind of, like, what, Sandra Bullock's good in it, um, and I, I think that, Quinn Aaron's fine with what he's given, but he's not given much. I think Tim McGraw's very bad. Um, I think the kid's very annoying. I don't think Lee Collins really has to do much. Kathy Bates is fine. She's great in everything. Um, I it's just such a what 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 kind of like bothers me. It's just such a it just caters to such a demographic that I am not a part of, and caters to such a um, sensibility. Like I don't know, just this this very like. Uh, just like all American, or like, it just like I, f- it just it's very it feels like just like mainstream country music to me. Like I feel like they're going for the same audience, and it it just it's so it just it just doesn't hit. like and I like you know like it is like if someone's like you know 
it's good that it's, it's it is like a legitimately heartwarming story, but it's also one that's kind of going back to Africa. It's completely robbed of nuance or even like that much like conflict or anything like that. Um, what what I think bothers me the most is it never forces um, Sandra Bullock to confront her what preconceptions she may have about like you know black people and that's why i was saying that i don't know how any of the characters feel about anything mm. because she seems very gung-ho like yeah let's let this person in our house but like you get the hints that that's not really her character mm. and then um they're taking a christmas card at one point and she calls like michael over to take the christmas card with them she's like it's not like we're actually gonna like send it out with him in it mm. and they do mm. and so it's like and then you never like you get mixed messages from like the husband about how he feels it's very weird yeah and it's like i do one thing i do think they do good is that like the primary villain i think is like the sort of like half snotty half like racist like people at the school or it's just like oh like he's only here because he's a charity case and i'm not gonna help him out with his grades and blah 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 and then like the ladies she has like lunch with are just like oh are you like comfortable him being alone with your daughter like really terrible stuff and i think like like that's one thing it does well is that it's like you know it's these people who are like maybe not advocating for him like not to have the right to vote but like also not exactly being like tolerant or like open to you know what's going on um but it's also like you know i i think that there's like the ncaa recruiter who is is sort of also sort of like made as like a little bit of a villain has like a decent point where it's like are they just, like, do they actually care about you? Or are they just using you for, like, the glory of Ole Miss football? Like, what's what, what's actually going on here? So, I don't know. I just feel like it doesn't do enough in those areas to be, like, good. The cast distracting everybody right now. I was listening. I was also listening. Yeah. I... I'm honestly done. I don't have anything yeah. else to say. <laughs> like, I, it's, I... I get... I kind of get why America wanted a movie like this right at yeah. this point. Um, and I thought it was good. I don't think it should be Best Picture. But I like kind of get why it was nominated. Like, everyone talked about this movie. My entire yeah. family, Ew. except me, saw this movie. It was very popular. It's um, better than Avatar, so I'm inclined to give it the benefit <laughs> of the doubt that it should have been nominated. I would rewatch one. it before I rewatch Avatar. That is true. Yeah. The kid is very sure. annoying. Um, I, I have some fun, ironic facts if you want to hear them. Sure. So, the actual um, head coach at the high school um, was a guy named Hugh Freeze, who would go on to uh, coach at Ole Miss, which is the school that Michael Warren's up going to, which is a little suspicious that his top recruit goes to Ole Miss and then he gets a job there. Um, he would also end up, like, uh, getting busted for using the phone that was issued to him by Ole Miss to, like, solicit prostitutes. So he ended up getting fired. And then he was hired as the head football coach of Liberty University, which is an evangelical school. Oh, my God. <laughs> and then also the school that they go to, um, which is actually called Briarcrest Briar Christian School in real life. It's called, like, Wingate and this. Um, almost had sex exempt status revoked in the 80s because it banned black students from attending for, like, most of its early history. Oh, geez. So it's like, I feel like there's a lot of stuff. I mean, maybe not for the Hugh Freeze stuff as much, though. But, like, you know, there's, like, a whole legacy of, like, institutional racism that you can, like, talk about when you're talking about this movie. Mm. Or, like, the story in particular. Um, 
and it, it does, like, like literally, like, it was considered, like, a segregation academy, this school. Like, um, so it feels like an opportunity lost, I guess. And even, like, Michael, who was the guy who wrote the book, was like, yeah, like, when I wrote the book, like, Michael was the main character. It wasn't Leanne. Um, yeah. Anyway, everyone's staring at their phones now. I'm uh, listening. I was going to look up Liberty University. You know how much I love to go there. Yes. <laughs> I once took Michael there, and Michael got scared. <laughs> Michael was very uncomfortable. Lars, accident, Lars, the atheist in the group, accidentally led us into a megachurch. Well, that's a story for another podcast. Um, all right, so we're done off the blind side. Yeah. We all seem pretty disinterested. Anyway, yeah. it was only nominated for two Academy Awards, and actually won one of them. Sandra Bullock won for Best Actress. That's deserved. She's yeah, really no, good. She's, she's good. I, she? I would agree. I think so. I don't know. Um, and it was nominated for Best Picture, of course. Uh, moving on now to District 9, directed by Neil Blomkamp, written by Neil Blomkamp and Terry Tatchell, based on a short film Alive in Joburg by Neil Blomkamp, starring Charlotte Okopi, Jason Cope, David James, Vanessa Haywood, um, Nandia Gaduka, Kenneth Nicosi, Eugene Kambiniawa, Kambaniawa, excuse me, uh, Louis Minar, and William Allen Young. District 9 is the story of what happens when a alien spaceship stalls out above Johannesburg, South Africa. And um, in the 80s, like, they break into the spaceship, the humans do. It turns out there are a bunch of aliens called that they call prawns or, like, living inside there. Um, and they have refugee crisis on their hands. They're all hoarded into this one district called District 9. And uh, Charlotte Dakota plays Vickis van der Merwe, who works for, was it, Global... Something multinational. Yeah, like Global Multinational Corporation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Basically, like, a military contractor that's charged with moving all of the aliens from District 9 to District 10. And while he's sort of investigating, they're looking for contraband, he accidentally ingests a black liquid um, that slowly begins to turn him into one of the aliens, and he has to help another alien uh, find more of this liquid and rebuild the landing ship so he can go back to the mothership, and safest people. Um, Kathleen, this was your first time seeing this movie. Yeah. What'd you think? I didn't like... It was... I was... It was entertaining, I will say that. I just, like, couldn't get the vibe of it. Because leading into the movie... Okay, first of all, I, I didn't, like, know anything about this movie going into it. I have a tendency to just, like, hear two names of... Like, two names of two different movies and then just call them one movie. So I thought District 9 and Hurt Locker were the same movie. <laughs> Just much like how I thought, um, like, There Will Be Blood and No Country for Little Men were the same movie. So, I'm not a hell of alien person. Gotta say, this is probably one of my favorite alien movies I've ever seen. Probably because it took place on Earth, and I don't like space movies. <laughs> um, but I, like, leading into it, Lars was like, oh my god, this is so gross. I almost threw up while I was watching this movie. It's so nasty. This I was like, oh, so this is going to be like a, like a slashery horror like, really intense thriller kind of movie. And then it starts, and I feel like I'm watching an episode of Flight of the Concords. Like, that is the vibe that I'm getting. Like, the the quirky, like, lead actor, and it's like the, like, the camera shots feel He's very, very much like that. He's very reminiscent of Murray. Yeah, it feels very just, like, fun and quirky and cute and, like, low budget and, like, whatever. Um, and then throughout it, I just didn't know how I was supposed to feel because I didn't. I still didn't know if I was watching a comedy or not. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But it was fine. It was enjoyable. I don't think I would, like, watch it again. Or maybe I would now, like, I might, like, I would watch it again, like, now understanding more of the tone. And so I could watch it again, probably pick up more from it, the actual storyline, because I wasn't, like, playing back and forth in my head. It did have things in it that I personally, I find body horror really disturbing, and it had some body horror elements to it. A lot of body horror. A lot of body horror, which I did not, I, that, it just makes me sad. I don't like body horror. Um, so it made me uncomfy. Um, I don't, like, know what it's about. <laughs> I don't get it. Um, not in a bad way. Not in, like, oh, this movie's so dumb. No, it's probably about something that I'm just not connecting it to. Um, I don't think I would, I don't think I would rewatch it just because it didn't, it was fun, but it didn't, like, I strike the notes with me. There were times where I was, like, super engaged with it. Um, and then there were a lot of times where I was like, I still don't understand what's, like, what the vibe is. Um, it just felt a little messy to me. But I think it was more a me situation than the movie situation. So, <laughs> it's high-key about apartheid. Yeah. yeah. It's, like, kind of the point of it. Um, this, okay. <laughs> I don't want to talk about every film in relation to Avatar. This but film... It just warrants it. Yeah. This film cost one-eighth the cost of Avatar to make, and it kind of looks a hundred times better. Oh, yeah, I would <laughs> It looks so that. much more real. Yeah. It just, like, feels better. And, like, I almost find half of this movie unwatchable. Um, like, I actually, like, have to close my eyes in scenes because it makes me so physically ill. This is one of only two movies that I walked out of the theater of, but this one I, like, liked. I just could not stomach it. What was the other one? Um, <laughs> Funny People with Adam Sandler. Oh. Which is just bad. Sandler. <laughs> Sandler, sorry. Yeah. Mm. Um... That time I hated it and my stomach hurt, so I just laughed. <laughs> um, this movie, I think, is good. Um, it's just, like, um, it's kind of a little on the nose. In like, the, like, the first half of this movie is, like, it's like Zootopia, in that it's, like, really <laughs> on the nose, except if Zootopia made you want to throw up. The last half of this is just, like, let's kind of scratch that and just make it fun. Yeah. And that part I kind of, like, I kind of prefer that I want to throw up, but at least it's good. Mm. Um... For those listeners who have not seen this movie and have weak stomachs, I didn't find this movie disgusting. The scene, he throws up a lot. He, like, breaks off his own fingernail and you have to watch it. He eats cat food. Yeah, it's, like, pretty <laughs> gross. Was really disturbing. That grossed me out thing. the most. It's, and there's just a lot of just, like, things falling and, like, ripping apart and, like, body horror. Yeah. There's, like, I the really... dead cows that they're laying the eggs in. Oh, yeah. That they then set on fire. It's, you I hear the it, eggs popping. If you have watched Ooh, Midsummer, this movie is fine. I think this is grosser. I don't know. Um, but it looks gritty. It looks good. It looks real. Um, like, I think it's an interesting way to tell a story um, about, like, a real thing. Though I don't... I, I kind of think it loses that justice in the last half. Yeah. Um... Like, I, I I back that this film should have been nominated for Best Picture because it's kind of a technical achievement and, like, actually good. Mm. Um, I just... I feel like the more I watch it, the more frustrated I get with how, like, poppy it becomes in the last mm -hmm. half. Um, he, Vickis, like, is very Steve Carell for me in, like, this movie. Um which is kind of fun. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of like it. Yeah. I feel like he became like a thing for a little bit, Charles Copley. Like he was in the A-Team and... Oh. 
that's I thought he was like only in this. No, he's in a couple different stuff. He's he's also in Elysium. Woo! He's like the South African super soldier. Um, yeah, no, I this is a good movie. I was I was I was I I I felt like I guess I thought I had seen like this like too many times before, kind of like the Blind Side. I was like, do I really want to like watch this again? But it's good. Um, I do think I was like, oh, these effects don't look quite as good as they did in 2009, but they still do look pretty good. I really um, liked, I liked what, the, what how I, the aliens looked yeah. a lot. What, what, well, what I think, like, tripped me up at first was like, oh, this is kind of like a documentary-style looking thing, but the aliens are clearly not a part of, like, the documentary. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. So that threw me off a little bit, but then you just kind of get used to it, and it's cool. Um, what I think it does good is, like, I, it feels like it uses apartheid more for, like, inspiration than, like, an actual, like, allegory. Like, I don't think you learn anything new about apartheid. Maybe I'm just not close enough to, like, apartheid to, to think that. But I do think it does a good job of, like... What I think it does better than, like, Avatar, especially, is aside from, like, mo- almost everything, is that, like, I feel like it's a better sort of, like, dissection, if you will, of the the way... This sort of, like, evil, like, military contractor, like, big industry kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's more about like destroying the earth which is bad but it's more about like the capacity for human cruelty mm-hmm. where it's like they show because like the company's supposed to be run by Vickis van der Moeve's uh, father-in-law and what they really want they find out he grows like an alien arm and like you need alien DNA to work with the alien weapons so they just test a bunch of alien weapons on them and you know that's kind of what they're after and I feel like that's kind of what the like blood and guts is supposed to like focus on right it's like focusing on sort of like how fragile human beings are and just how it all ends up being reduced at the end of the day to like being who can like shoot the most lead into another like bag of like blood and bone the most and i feel like there's something kind of like it's like cronenberg-esque and there's something like i don't know there's Mm. something almost like poetic the way where it's just like it all boils down to just like squishiness i guess and i really liked that um, and, like, yeah, it does definitely, like, abandon the conceit of being a mockumentary towards the end. Where, like, there would be no, like, there's a scene where, like, there's, like, the Nigerian gangs. And, like, you get a shot of, like, like a, a ground eye shot of, like, the one guy, like, aiming a gun at Vickis. And it's, like, there's no way documentarian would get that shot. Like, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. I, I was very <laughs> legitimately confused. Of, yeah. Like, wait, it's... because then at the very end, they kind of pull back on mm. the, they go back to the documentary thing. And I was, like... Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was very confused. But it does some cool stuff. Like, it has shots from, like, the, like, news helicopters and, like, the helicopters that the soldiers are in. And, like, security cam footage. Like, it does some cool stuff with that. And, um... And there is something kind of, like, I wrote my relationship, like, lethal and, like, punk rock about just, like, abandoning the conceit and being like, alright, we're just gonna kill as much people as possible. Like, there's something kind of fun about that. Um, and it's just, like, an interesting idea. Like, that was, like, the big appeal... Like, when it first came out, people were like, wow, this is like, a, like there's like no stars in this. Um, yeah. But the big appeal was like, oh, this is like an interesting conceit for a movie. It was like, I feel like one of the more successful, like, viral marketing campaigns um, yeah. of its time. It's like this and like Cloverfield. Uh, and every, like, this is an, everyone was talking about this movie when it yeah, came out. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Like, my dad, who does like not like sci fi, was like stoked about this movie when yeah. it came out. Um, I think that's why I thought it was the Hurt Locker. That makes sense. He was also excited about the Hurt Locker. Um, it's, it's, it's very like it like deals with like the real world consequences in mm-hmm. a way that most science fiction movies 
just like kind of skim over it's like oh yeah this yeah. all happened like a hundred years ago don't worry about it exactly yeah. it's like this one is like yeah there was like prostitution there was a lot of crime there was stress and integration yada 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 yeah. that's like I, I wish there, I could get like a textbook on like the history yeah like the implications like they landed like during apartheid and then apartheid ended but they were like like what happened like how did that happen like what happened like how did that work like it's just a really cool idea uh not really that relevant. I just think it's cool because I like sci-fi. But it's like, and I like the like idea that like, I'm not sure this is canon or just like mostly theorized. But it's like the idea that the aliens came because they're like refugees. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's very like it's always like aliens are coming to invade. Like I actually think this is mm-hmm. way more realistic. It's like yeah. they are coming because they are like they destroyed their world or something came after them, mm-hmm. and they need help. Yeah, and there's also just this like tendency like you know in sci-fi where it's like oh al- humans are like the victims of like an, e- an another evil race where it's like throughout our entire history we've been like destroying the world and like other living things so yeah. it would probably work out the other way instead yeah. like yeah we're oftentimes projecting our own evil onto other like creatures right whereas this is like kind of us showing us yeah how evil we are yeah oh um you, you seem like you had something else to say. I feel like I did. Um, I did like that part, that it was... Mm. It was more about, like, a conversation between... Like, a conversation between, like, races. That it was, like... Um, it was realistic. It wasn't, like, boom, boom, everything's bad. Shooty, shooty. Mm. Ah, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know if that made any sense. Yeah. But it was, like, an actual conversation. And, and it wasn't even, like, it wasn't an avatar where there's, like, oh, these are, like, vaguely humanoid creatures. Like, no, they're, they're quite not. Yeah, they're you way know? different. Yeah. They're, they, look, they look weird and creepy, mm. but they're, like, everyone's coexisting on some level and, like, in a very, like, in the slums, basically. But, you know, there's communication. And I think that's what made it feel, like, more real as, like, you guys do not have anything in common. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And cool. the implication that's, like, you have to literally transform into someone else to actually be empathetic to them. Yeah. It's, like, very, like, bleak. Yeah. But it's, like, yeah, I think there's, like, an actual point in there, too. Yeah. Um, anything else on District 9? The baby's cute. Oh, yeah. Baby I like cute. that they did add, like, a baby. Because it was more... <laughs> it gave like baby. It gave them more, like, personality, you know? Yeah. Because at the end, it's, like, um, when the guy... I forget his name. Vickus. Vickus is leaving flowers on his wife's doorstep. Mm. Um... It's like, we all have hearts. Yeah. <laughs> Even when we look like prawns. Yeah. Um, I like that the prawn is like named Christopher. Yeah. yeah it's just like, Christopher Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> and like their signature is just like the scrawl. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it is like, unlike Avatar, this is really good world building. Yeah. Like yeah. it's legitimately very cool. Um, yeah. All right. So District 9. Anything else on that? We're good. I get, just to go back to the name thing, it's like kind of like an Ellis Island thing. Yeah. Where they ha- they were forced to adapt to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I don't know if this is a popular opinion. This movie deserved a sequel, but it is now too late. Let me be very clear. <laughs> if you are listening, it's too late. Do not make a sequel anymore. Yeah. I think it's too... It's too it probably late. is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sequels made ten years later, it's not yeah. going to work. It's too late for a Zombieland sequel. It's definitely too late for a District 9 sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was sad. <laughs> I like I love Zombieland I truly do mm. and when it first came out all I wanted was a sequel and now that it's out I can't yeah our mom really liked that the sequel though she I saw know. it she loved it I so know. who knows 
District 9, nominated, didn't win anything. Nominated for visual effects, editing, adapted screenplay, and best picture. Let's move on now to an education. Uh, directed by Lana Scherfig, uh, written by Nick Hornby, adapted from the book An Education, or an article, The Education, written by Lynn Barber, starring Carrie Mulligan, Peter Sarsgaard, Alfred Molina, Rosamund Pike, Dominic Cooper, Olivia Williams, and Emma Thompson. Education is the story of Jenny Miller, who is a student at like a finishing school and she wants to get into Oxford very badly. Um, one day, uh, while coming home from rehearsal at the Youth Orchestra, she's hauling around her cello, it's raining out, and this charming older gentleman uh, finds her, offers her a ride home, gives her a ride home, and he comes calling after her later in the week, I guess, and brings her uh, to uh, a concert, and they develop a relationship, a romantic relationship, and her parents are cool with it. It's kind of interesting. Um, who wants to go first? Um, there's a lot of twists and turns in this one. <laughs> there are. Um, so I guess I actually took notes on this one. Yeah. I guess my question on this film is... Because Lars wants to know how to do this in real life. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I want to be just like Harry Mulligan. Get seduced by an older man. Um, I guess my question is why i think i figured out some parts of why is i think there is a good there's like a lesson on why education is important and why like she should care about who she becomes and like making sure she knows who she is before she like gets this life that she wants i think there's like a coming of age story there that people in like their mid-20s kind of need it's like, do you know who you are before you commit to what you, for the rest of your life, what you think you want? Um, there are some, like, really good lines in this movie that I, like, I subconscious, like, I, that I, I ascribe to live by. Hmm. Um, so there's, there's, like, um, part of that is, like, towards the end is, like, she talks, I think, to her teacher. Um, and it's, like, real maturity is asking for help. It's like, she doesn't think she needs to ask for help, um, even though she's in this, like, ridiculous kind of pedophilic situation, whatever. Mm. Um, but she, like, just thinks she has it under control. Mm. Um, and, they, like, also sort of towards the end, it's like, there's the line, it's like, action is character. And it's like, if you don't do anything, you're not really anybody. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I, like, there's, like, good moments in this movie that are kind of, like, better than the moments in District 9 or better than Avatar, obviously, um, or better than The Blind Side. It's, like, actual, that's, like, kind of touching. And mm -hmm. I kind of, I really, that really stuck with me. Um, that being said, the banana scene is real weird. <laughs> that is yes. all. Yeah. Oh, I didn't like that. Oh, we should probably describe the banana scene. <laughs> Must be. So, basically, <laughs> I don't uh, know. she decides she wants to lose her Virginia on her 17th birthday. She and her fella, David... <laughs> Um, are you gonna gonna seal the deal? And he's like, "Should we get the like messy part of the way first And brings out a banana. She's like, "You kind of killed the mood there, dude." <laughs> Which I'm glad. I'm glad you know she she said that. Um, it's just really what, weird. So really to be fair to the conceit, which we're all pretty clearly uncomfortable with, not of the banana, but the entire movie. It's based on a true story. It's based on an autobiographical like article written by an author. Oh, um, so this more or less actually happened to someone. They don't really ever talk about the like age problem. Yeah, that she's seventeen. And I, part of me wonders if that was just so. So it kind of reminded me of Roy Moore, or like 
when the whole Roy Moore scandal broke, the thing was is that's like yes, he was dating like you know I think this is sometimes like fourteen year olds, at least fifteen year olds. They got real weird. Um, but like he, but like a lot of times it was like the parents or like grandparents like knew. But they were like, oh, he's like a successful attorney or like a judge or whatever. And it's such an honor that he's taken an interest into our child. Oh, my God. So I, I feel like maybe there's like a little bit of that going on. Um, but he's not a successful... Like, they don't really know. No, they don't know. Well, they th- he like kind of lies that he went to Oxford. Yeah. It like turns out he's a criminal. He's a cop, And he's man. married. Yeah, yeah. He's, there's all these twists and turns. Yeah. He like steals art and sells it. And, and then, then he also like moves he also does something with real he, estate he, he moves in black families to mostly white apartment buildings and then people um, become uncomfortable and leave and then he rents them out for like a cheaper price or something like that or for like a higher price or a higher price yeah. something. I, don't I think know. it's like rent controlled apartments so he yeah. like kicks out the people yeah, and yeah. then like oh my god I missed, I missed that Mm-hmm. I thought he was just, like, a human trafficker or something. That's what I thought yes. was, too, but no. Um, what did you think of this, Kathleen? Honestly, like, I've kind of forgotten this movie, which I think says a lot about how I thought, what I thought about this movie. Um, so, my things are, one, it's creepy, but, like, let's get that out of the way. My favorite scene is, like, after she does lose her virginity to him. Yes. Yeah, so she's standing by the movie. window, and she's like, are you, like, what are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And she goes, it's just so funny. You make such a big deal about something that lasts so little. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, all that, all that like, music and poetry about something that doesn't last very long. Yeah. That <laughs> um, was funny. Mm-hmm. She's a good character. No, yeah. Was it, we're kind of burying the lead. It's like, Carrie Mulligan's great in this. She is. She's, like, really charming and, and like, I think channels teen angst pretty well, which is well as you can channel, like, a very, like, repressed environment and it's like, delivers line like it's, it, I think this is like dialogue wise it's very well written mm-hmm. I love Nick Hornby he's one of my favorite authors and you know it's cool to see him work in this medium uh, but go on I think the acting in general is pretty good yeah. Yeah. yeah I think the acting is good I think the characters are pretty good mm. um, the fashion is incredible I will say that um, my thing is like I never felt like a lot of tension I mm. always thought something worse was going to happen like, really, once I found out that he was a criminal, I thought that she was going to get arrested because she was going to be a complicit in something. Um, and I thought they'd be like, oh, that would be tense, that would be bad, that would, like, really fuck up what was she had going on. And then that didn't happen. She just learned that he was married. And then that ended things. Well, she, the, the, he proposes to her. Yeah. So it kind of ruined... And she's like, instead of going to Oxford, I'm gonna... Marry him. Marry him. And then it's basically, like... And her parents are, like... Or her dad, at least, is, like, stoked about it. He's like... Yeah. Why go to Oxford and try to meet a rich guy when you can just meet him right here? Yeah. And, you know. Bad. Bad yeah. parents. Yeah. Bad parents. Yeah. But I always, like, it just was never enough drama for me because it could, like, could have built it up to be something really, like, interesting. Maybe, like, a human trafficking thing. That's what I thought at the beginning. Like, I thought he, like, targeted her for some type of plot. Um, especially because, like, his friends were kind of creepy, too. And then one of those friends started, like, falling in love with her as well so i thought that there was gonna be this like pedophilia fight over her i thought there was gonna be like more but no it's like she gets into oxford at the end yeah she spent there's like a you know like one of those like a sequence a sped up sequence of her studying a montage of her studying i thought that was usually the worst part of the movie it was terrible (laughs) absolutely terrible that one felt very tv movie um yeah 
were you gonna say something? I mean, it's like it's like a coming of age. Like it's about the lessons she learned in this process, right? Yeah, which like it's about her education. Yeah, maybe (laughs) we don't all learn these lessons when we're seventeen and a forty-year-old dude is like sleeping with us, but we learn them at some point. It's Mm -hmm. like you have to be a person. You have to learn what you need to learn. You have Mm -hmm. to know who you are before you can be what you want to be. And I think in that sense, in those points, I think the movie is good. Yeah. I think it works and it's successful and like I get it. I get it. Yeah. It's about like making your own choices and then making your mistakes and learning from your mistakes and la di da, like all that. Uh yeah, I do think that does it like like that's that's what I think is like like I didn't know how to read the ending because it's like for a lot of it it's like she's like, Oh, like I wanna go to Oxford and it's like, Do I really want to go to Oxford? Does my dad want me to go to Oxford? Mm-hmm. She has that whole talk with uh, Emma Thompson as like her crazy anti-Semitic uh, school marm who's yeah. just like uh, you know she's just like oh like you know you'll never do anything of use and like it's, it'll be like hard and boring but it'll be worth it and she's like well I'm doing a hard boring thing do more hard and boring things like what's the point like can't I just enjoy my life and blah 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 and it's like kind of the difference between like pretension and like maturity where it's like she has a lot of, it's like she's like very like it's not like she wants to sit home and, like, smoke pot all day. It's, like, she wants to, like, go to jazz clubs and, like, watch French movies and, like, buy French art and do all this, like, really, like, fancy, sophisticated stuff. But she wants to bypass sort of, like, the work to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's... I don't know where I was going with that, but that's that's what I think it's about. And so, like, what, 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 look why I think the ending kind of, like, works, even though it's, like, oh, she's taking this sort of, like, conservative, typical choice that's, like... No, it turns out she actually really did want to go to Oxford. Like, the last shot is her, like, the, she gets the letter from Oxford. She, like, can't bear to read it, so she, like, walks away from the table. And she, like, sits near the, the, like, stairs, and then she hears her mother, like, read it out loud. And, you know, she gets very excited. And so it's like, oh, like, this is actually what she wanted. And this kind of gives, that's actually not the last shot in the movie. But anyway, like, you know, that it's sort of, you know, she does get what she wants. And it, it, it's, you know, it's that journey, destination, like, kind of a typical coming-of-age kind of thing. Do you want to hear my my theory, my pretentious theory about this movie? No. Yes. Just kidding. I do. No, it's gonna be a sequel. So, have any of you seen the movie Band of Outsiders? No. no. So, I only saw it once. And I didn't really get it. But basically, it's this French movie um, about like this trio of like criminals, basically, um, two men and one woman, and they. It's like the first part is just kind of them like being in a love triangle and, like, dancing cool dances. And then there's a yeah. whole plot of, like, finding, like, lost money and stuff. Um, but, like, my theory is that, like, she's obsessed with, like, French things. And my theory is that, like, the trio that, like, because um, Peter Sarsgaard and, like, his, like, Dominic Cooper and Rosamund Pike are far part of this, like, you know, trio of, like, mm-hmm. who they, they steal stuff and sell it. And so my theory is that, like, they're supposed to be, like, the kind of, like, superficial cool of something like that mm. movie. And, like, supposed to be, like, a standard for, like, the French New Wave or whatever. And that's why she's, like, so easily seduced by it and, like, wants to be a part of it. But then she realizes there's not a lot of substance there. They're just kind of, like, hanging out and they're not really doing anything. Um, yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, anything else about an education? No. NARP. Okay, cool. An education... Nominated for a couple things, didn't win any of them. Nominated for adapted screenplay, Carrie Mulligan was nominated for actress, and was nominated for best picture. 
Let's move on now to The Hurt Locker, directed by Catherine Bigelow, written by Mark Bowl, starring Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, Brian Garrity, Evangeline Lilly, Rafe Fiennes, David Morse, and Guy Pearce. Her Locker is the story of a bomb disposal unit in Iraq, and after the death of their team leader, they get a new team leader named William James, played Jeremy Renner, who is an adrenaline junkie. He just loves the feeling of almost dying by being blown up by a bomb and, like, defusing them. And he does a lot of reckless things that kind of puts people in danger that causes friction between him and his two other team members who, after watching their old leader die, are very, um, you know, uh, what's the word? They, they, they want to stay alive. Um, because they have like 30 days left on their rotation. Yeah, they have like, yeah, like 40 ish, 30, like less than 40 days left on the rotation. Um, Kathleen, this was your first time seeing this movie. What a theme for this episode. I know. What'd you think? It was fine. I like really enjoyed how it looked. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed a lot of just like watching it. And because it felt like you were just watching someone's life, kind mm-hmm. of. You know, it's like they were just going on their little missions, not little missions, they were going on missions. <laughs> They were doing their job, and it was tense, but it was a realistic tense. Um, you got to see a little bit of, like, that, like, their dynamic. So you got a little bit of, like, the relationship dynamic. That one guy starts kind of, like, breaking down, and, you know, stress overtakes in the blonde guy. Hmm. Hmm. I don't remember his name. Um, so you got, like, a, it, it had, like, a nice little bit of all the things that I enjoy. So you got a little tension, you got a little relationships. They got a lot of mental health issues. There is even a psychiatrist or th- there, a psych- psychologist that mm. dies. Um, spoiler alert. Mm. But, so how, and it was just like, I liked how it looked. It was really gritty. It looked really real. They did a lot of shots, really dusty and stuff. And I love a good dusty shot. So it just makes it look really real. Um, but then like when they kind of zoomed out and then they like got to the ending and they're like, oh yeah, like let's end it on this guy's story, the Will James, James Williamson guy's story, <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't actually care about you. And it's like they followed him home for a hot second. And I was like, I don't care about your home life. That's never, that's like not what I was watching the movie for. And like in my life, like in my, I would have just like ended this movie and not have when actually. When would you like, have ended it? Like just like stopped. It would have just been like a thing. Maybe I would have made it a short film. <laughs> Okay. Like, I, I didn't I didn't enjoy I didn't dislike but I did not enjoy bringing it full circle with him um I just because I didn't find him necessarily to be like he was he wasn't like the star of the show I feel like the dynamic was the star of the show and so when things happen like when he goes AWOL and he goes searching for things like like you know he's like looking for that kid or whatever he's doing I didn't find that interesting. So I'm like, I don't care about you. I just want to watch you doing your job. I care about your job. Mm -hmm. So that was me personally. I get that. Lars. I I kind of disagree. Because I I actually think the best moments are like kind of the devolution of him. Um, This is a very like film school take. But like I kind of think the best part of the movie is when he goes back home. Um, like the grocery store scene mm-hmm. is like like one of my favorite scenes of all time and it's like hard to place why it's just so sanitized and like there's this like choice overload and she's like go get cereal and it's like go get cereal go get cereal and he's like looking at like hundreds of options he's just like what 
What? <laughs> it's like, it's like well, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, I, I think that's like an oddly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's kind of like a college film school take, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's like, oh my god, he's burdened by choice overload. He's so used to living this terrible, harsh army life that now he doesn't understand. It's like, what is a guy who's been in such extreme situations so many times supposed to do with such a simple, like, choice? Um, you know, then the scene where he's talking to his son, um, explaining how the Jack in the Box might be special now, but won't be special later in life, and how only some things matter. Um, this film is, like, so well edited and so well directed, and it is so... Like, it's like I am clenched up this entire film. It is so... Um, yeah, I, I, I kept saying the word yesterday. It's so... Tense? It's... Um, uh, tactile? Ta- it's very tactile. It's very... Um, visceral. Like, visceral. Like, you can just, like, feel it. Like, I am just... Like, I've seen it before, but I'm just, like... Palpable. S- is palpable. Palpable. Um, I'm just, like, so locked up for, like, the, like the car scene, and it's, like, mm. the guys filming, and the guys on the, the like, guys on the roof are, like, signaling to him. And, and when he like, pulls the, the wire, and then the, the wipers start. Oh, my like, God. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> it's, like... Your heart like skips a beat, and like the um, C- Samborn, yeah, uh, he's like freaking out. Um, there's just so it is just so like well executed. Um, like even horror movies don't make me feel this way. Like this kind of just does it better. It's like I am just on edge all the way through this. Um, I think it does take some detours. I think you're right, um, Kathleen. Um, the like subplot where he kind of goes off looking for the kid um i kind of like that i like i kind of like what happens in the end there um i find the oil tanker thing kind of dis- uninteresting like i i prefer the more like tense like mm-hmm. the t- the clock is ticking mm-hmm. um yeah yeah i it's this is like i hadn't seen this i hadn't seen this movie since i saw it in theaters and I was like, I always think of this as being good, but I just think it was good because, like, I saw it at a formal time in my life, and, like, it won Best Picture, and I wanted to be cool. But this is, like, a really good movie. This is actually, like, a really, really, really good movie. Um, and, yeah, it's so, it is so, like, gritty. Like, it's, it, like, this doesn't look like a Best Picture movie, and I think that's one of the things that makes it so good, is that it, it does feel, like, very much, like, I feel like you it just it reminds me of like you know people used to just like like i remember like a big thing there of course like soldiers were like putting footage on like youtube like anybody could go and like watch what it looked like and this felt like that like it felt like a youtube video of like war like it was so like deglamorized it like so like dirty um and just really like real and like tech like you said like even like the suit or there's like threads coming out of like the bomb suit and it just felt Mm -hmm very real um but also they made room for kind of like artsy shots like the way it uses like at least twice it uses reflections in a really cool way like there's when uh jeremy renner and anthony Mack are like shaving next to each other like the day after their first like day out together and he went crazy and like freaked him out and they're just like don't do that again but you get, but they're looking straight forward into them into the their mirrors 
and it just shows you shot of each mirror and of shots of their like actual mm-hmm. faces. And there's another scene where, like when they're they get into like the building where they find the dead kid, or there's like a puddle of water and you see like the reflection of the puddle of water. Mm-hmm. Um, just really like cool, like great like direction and like shots and like this didn't win cinematography, and I think that's like the biggest crime. Like Avatar won cinematography, oh my god, and this didn't. Um, like they actually had to do work on this one. I know. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, as far as, like, the character stuff goes, it's a really, like, I don't know. I, I kind of think the point is that he could kind of be anybody. Right, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's not actually about him, you're Mm -hmm. right, but I think that's kind of why it's good. Yeah. It's like, you could plug anyone in there. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it, and it's about, like, what I think is so interesting, too, about, like, I don't know that this makes, like, much of a political statement about the Iraq War, other than that it was, like, you know, really, like, nasty and, like, fucked up. But I think that's the point. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's like, this, it doesn't matter. Like, this is yeah. just what, what is happening. Exactly, yeah. Um, and, and there were people who, like, and this guy kind of, like, takes advantage of it by, like, getting his adrenaline fix. And it's implied that he's been doing that, because he says he's been, like, in Afghanistan, too. Um, so, yeah, it is just, like, a really just, like, good... Like, you know, it says right at the beginning that war is a drug, and that's just kind of what the movie is. But it, it's, like, a very good execution and communication of that. Um, about the serial scene, I was actually listening to a podcast a few years ago, and one of the guests was, like, he was mostly, like, a writer, and, like, he did, like, YouTube videos, but he was an Iraq war vet. And apparently, like, this movie, like, you know, the whole, like, searching for, like, the guys who did, like, the oil tanker thing, they apparently, like, ooh, like, never happened in real life, and you get, like, kicked out of the army if you did that. Mm. Um, but he said that, like... This, like, it, it doesn't depict, like, literally, like, what happened during the Iraq War, like, that well. Like, there was a lot of, like, inaccuracies as far as, like, how people would act. But, like, it captured, like, how it felt to be there really well. And also, like, the most, like, the part that, like, resonated him the most was the, the serial scene. Yeah. Like, that's how it feels, like, when you come back and you're just like, what? Like, okay. And he just kind of, like, just, like, knocks one of the boxes into his shotgun and just, like, hits one of the things, like, you know, hanging off the, the shelves. Yeah, I mean, you feel the, like, constant stress. Like, from mm. the moment, like, kind of when it starts. I mean, it, the, the, from from the moment, like, Jeremy Renner comes in. And then they're like, well, you should probably leave the wood on the windows in case a mortar comes in. He's mm. like, well, it's not going to stop it on the roof. It's like, you are not safe. <laughs> yeah. You are never safe. Mm. And, like, every rock, pile of rocks could be a bomb. Like, even when you think it is safe, the psychologist is going to blow up. Yeah. It's like nothing is ever clear you're just constantly like what what is that like to just constantly be so on edge mm. and tensed up um turns out you drink a lot and punch your friends yeah yeah that's the other thing too is that like what i do like about the oil tanker scene is that i feel like it illustrates um because up until then like a lot of the diffusing scenes are like 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 soldiers die but no civilians die mm. and like the bomb ends up usually getting diffused or whatever. Yeah. Whereas, like, in that one, that's the one that's, like, crap. Like, it is the middle of the night. We can't see anything. There's just bodies all over the place. There's rubble all over the place. And, like, it's just pitch black. And it's just all that thing is lit by fire because it's oil on fire. And I have to, like, figure out, like, how this happened and then maybe try and find the person who did it. And I think that's, like, actually a really important part in his arc because it's not just, like... You can argue about whether or not he does it for the fix, but, like, you know, he does have, like, actual feelings. Like, when he thinks that the kid who, like, sells him DVDs is killed, like, it really affects him and he tries to, like, you know, vigilante justice the whole thing. Yeah. And I think that's part of, like, you get that feeling 
after the oil tanker thing where he's like, someone out there is like laughing at us about this and like I'm gonna find him and I'm gonna make him pay. Um, he does feel something, but I, I think in a way like his his thrill seeking is almost like an emotional management thing. I think is the implication where he, he can't lose anything if he doesn't really care about his own life and he doesn't care about anyone else's. So why not just do the one thing that he knows is gonna like give him pleasure and you know get, stay out of the complicated stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. Anything else about the Hurt Locker? No. No? Okay. Well, the Hurt Locker was uh, one sound editing, one sound mixing was nominated for original score, one film editing, nominated for cinematography, one original screenplay. Jeremy Runner was nominated for Best Actor. Catherine Bigelow won Best Director and it won Best Picture. To this date, Catherine Bigelow is the only female director to win Best Director and it is the only movie directed by a woman to win Best Picture. Um, okay, so that does it for this episode, more or less, for the movies go. Like we said, you know, it was ten nominees this year, and we're not going to do them all in this episode. So, since we haven't watched all of them, we can't pick a winner. But what we can do is say, you know, who the leader in the clubhouse is. Who, if you were watching all of these in alphabetical order, and you were a voting member of the Academy, and you're like, alright, I'm halfway through, this is the one I have my eye on for who I think I might put at the top of my list, what would it be? Hurt Locker. Okay. Hurt Locker. Also Hurt Locker. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we're all in agreement on that, but we'll be on agreement by the end of our next episode when we see <laughs> all of the other nominees that I don't have pulled up right now, but I will very shortly, and now I have it, and those movies will be Inglorious Bastards, Precious, Space on the Level, Pushed by Sapphire, A Serious Man, Up and Up in the Air. So, uh, yeah, uh, check us out on that episode. Until then, I'm Mike Levito. You can find me on Letterboxd at Ameramike and Twitter at Mlevito. I'm Lars Emerson. You can find me on Letterboxd at Lars Emerson. I'm Kathleen Levito. You can find me on Instagram at Rise to the Sun. You can find all of us on thepostwriter.com where we write and post our podcasts. Follow us, this podcast, on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Podcasts. Um, and that's it. That's it. Feels a little anticlimactic about all the other stuff, but hey, that's that's what happens when you don't nominate The Dark Knight for Best Picture. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, Avatar is a bad movie, and don't let James Cameron tell you otherwise. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>